Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. I'm your host, Stan Grubb, flying a little solo tonight as Brian Taylor's under the weather. He'll be providing us the official post-game report next week for Wrestle Kingdom uh, 17, so he'll be back with us then. Rob is on location, so it's just me, just you, me, and all of pro wrestling, right? Shouldn't be too hard to go over. Shouldn't be too hard to look back. This week, we're going to take a look, a very special look, at 2022. What happened last year? What was good? What was bad? And, uh, hey, what what about what's going to happen going forward? Where are we headed? What are the regrets? What are the resolutions that we have or hopefully have with some of the other providers? That's what we're looking at. First things first, we got news to talk about, um, of course, within the within the wrestling world. But uh, we're going to branch out just to, for a moment and talk a little bit about pro football. Now, I get it. You're going to hear this now, and you're going to go, ah, there you go. We're talking about the Hamlin injury. Yep, you're right. You're right. But I don't want to talk about it in the regard of complaints, not necessarily anyway, or in the regard of how good or bad the Bengals or Bills are, any of that stuff. I'm not really interested in that. What I'm interested in is just really reflecting on just best wishes for uh, DeMar Hamlin and hopefully a speedy recovery. Um, As many sports fans know, and a lot of wrestling fans are sports fans as well, pretty nasty shot that uh, went down last night on Monday Night Football um, was not an illegal hit, just a hard hit. Both men go down. 
and with the shot, it basically was the crown of the helmet hitting just under the face guard or uh, face mask, and also the shoulder level at the solar plexus with with Hamlin's chest. They both go down. Hamlin starts to Hamlin starts to clutch his chest, falls down, unconscious. Uh, the, the, the hit itself, I mean, you can look all over uh, Twitter right now, and you'll find there's no, there's no shortage of people who have tweeted it out there. Um, really, what I wanted to bring to the table with this discussion is really just a, a heartfelt uh, prayer for uh, Mr. Hamlin and his family, hopefully for a speedy recovery. Um, it was a, a rough shot, and we watched it quite a few times, both on <clears throat> I watched it on my phone, and we watched it through YouTube, did the replays multiple times, just watching this take place. And, and ultimately, the thing you think about is, you know, this is a, a human being. Yes, it's a highly trained, very talented athlete, and there's a reason that he plays for the NFL, but he's a human being first and foremost. He's a son, he's a dad, he's a brother to somebody, he's a friend. And, um, you know, it's it's terrifying when you see injuries like that. Anytime you see injuries in professional sports, even pro wrestling, you know, uh, Monday night, Seth Rollins and, and uh, Austin Theory. Great match, by the way, good, good main event. But uh, <clears throat> looks like perhaps Seth has injured his knee again which could ultimately end up being another six months laid out, and uh, that puts him out of WrestleMania. Now, hopefully it's not the case, but those are the kinds of reminders, startling reminders, of the obvious cliche that this ain't ballet, but at the same time just how short life is and how important how important it is to recognize what's truly valuable, where your priorities should lie, and where everything else should stay. And I think that's something that it's easy to take for granted. It's easy to um, talk about in a way that is... How does one word this? It's easy to talk about it from a speculatory standpoint, right? From that point of view of, man, you know, it's a damn shame. Let's go back and play football. That's what the NFL wanted to do. They wanted to warm them back up five minutes, you know, and say, hey, get back on the field, finish the game. And I, I got to give a, a salute to both teams because both teams said, uh, no, we're, we're not going to do that. We're going to um, go and we're going to kneel in prayer and, and we're going to lift Mr. Hamlin up in prayer and, and pray for his recovery. But also we're going to be men and leaders and not choose to ignore an injury and choose to be there for our our comrade and i gotta say that was damn impressive you'll see that a lot in sports you do in in some lights but it's not like i don't know it's not like it's a prevalent practice and, and i wish that it was skip bayless last night on twitter decides to say well you know it's it's a shame this injury happened and all, but God, this this game's really important. No, Skip, it really isn't. He, of course, you know, also says at the end of that tweet that it was now irrelevant due to the injury, um, and just gets burned, burned at the stake, basically, 
for most of the night, and I want to say into this morning. And rightfully so, because it was an insensitive comment. At the same time, <laughs> during his uh, his roast, so to speak, um, he does come back and say, hey, you know what? If I insulted or hurt anyone's feelings, if I was inappropriate or incorrect, I apologize. Which is the right thing to do, but, you know, this is a typical shock jock kind of mentality where it's just him saying what it takes to get a reaction and then backtracking because he's been held accountable. That's exactly what he did. It's a damn shame, too, because, you know, he's he's a, a person that could really stand out by just simply doing the opposite, and that would be to say, hey, you know what, let's look at this man's career and hope that he recovers and consider his family and consider his friends. But no, he chose the... The easy, I gotta be first with a hot take. He paid the price. Sucks for him, right? You hate to see that to happen to anybody. I mean, everybody should be able to be employed, but... Hell, I I tweeted right in there with him. You should be unemployed. Because it's irresponsible. And you can't talk like that about a person's life. You can talk like that about a, a game, a football game. But you can't talk like that about a person's life. And that's where a lot of people took issue. Now, this isn't to mean that, like, the guy can never come back and say, hey, you know what? I was wrong, made a mistake, but I'm back now. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that says he can't figure this out and go forward. But in the moment, that's where it stood. It's hard to believe that 2022 is done. It really, really is. And looking at all of the different things that happened over the course of this year, um, hell, just over the course of the last six months, it's hard to fathom. I'll give you an example. At the start of 2022, we were only three months removed from CM Punk returning to the industry. He had come back. He had faced Darby Allen. He started to have some pretty decent matches, and we had a glimpse of what it was going to be like to have him back at the helm and leading a company, a likely AEW. We had uh, Vince McMahon, who was taking the charge from uh, Triple H, who was ch- having to retire due to health issues, and having him take multiple pivots and steps to try to right the ship. And then, what did we find out at the beginning of uh, July? Fast forward six months, Vince McMahon had been using company money to pay off women and have them sign NDAs, allegedly. I guess I should put that out there. Even though there was an investigation done, and apparently there's a lot of information out there. But it is the responsible thing to put out there that it's alleged. Triple H takes over WWE. Ratings seem to go back up for them. We start to see returns that we weren't expecting, but we also saw departures. For example, one that's on the tip of everybody's tongue right now is Sasha Banks and Naomi. We should say Mercedes Monet. Naomi, as far as she's concerned, it appears that she may actually be on her way back to WWE. We don't know for sure, but as it stands right now, it's pretty probable. It's crazy. There's so many different things that have happened this year. We have... uh, 
tag team champions in the acclaimed. This time, the beginning of January of 22, we had uh, visions that they could be, but I don't know if we envisioned them to be the top team. Hell, look at FTR's 2022. You have to look at the good with the bad, right? Look at a guy like Sammy Guevara, who started off 2022 um, as TNT champion and just starting to really achieve some of what I think a lot of people would have called his potential, but would be overshadowed by the departure of Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, of course, leaves AEW, goes to WWE at WrestleMania, and has one of the biggest reactions for a WrestleMania that a lot of people will call maybe the moment of the 2000s. Eh, maybe that's a little heavy-handed, but it's definitely a cool moment. At the end of the day, what it's really about is just the stark differences. Looking at what we're talking about today, I think what we're looking at is a two-part approach. The first part is the reflection piece, right? So we talk about the news that was. I think a lot of people would say the bigger stories coming out of 22 into 23 are the departure of Cody Rhodes from AEW and him heading to WWE. CM Punk's brawl out is all-out media scrum where he goes off on Colt Cabana and the Young Bucks and Adam Page and the Elite. And summarily has a fight backstage, gets suspended, everybody gets suspended, that's involved with it anyway, Ace Steel, The Elite, i.e. Kenny Omega, and the Bucks. And now here we are as we head to 2023, where the Bucks are back, Omega's back, hell, Omega's getting ready to wrestle here in a few hours in New Japan, he's going to wrestle Will Ospreay. See a Punk may be done, again. Those are the crazy parts of pro wrestling, man. That's the the holy cow, did this really happen kind of moment. Holy crap, are we really sitting back and looking at what could be the end, again, of a career like CM Punk? Are we really looking at the end of, you know, perhaps an opportunity to see one of the best times in professional wrestling? We might be. That's where it really gets alarming. That's where it gets concerning for a lot of people, for a lot of the right reasons. I mean, you put your faith in a guy like CM Punk, you put your trust in him, and what happens? He has a moment where he can't seem to get out of his own way. He's so angry, he knows he's hurt. He's torn his bicep, he's, or tricep. He's going to have to take time off to recover. And then in the midst of all of that, he decides he's going to basically set a fire to literally everyone involved with the company that he's angry at because, well, I'm not going to lose anything, he's thinking. He just says, I'm going to set a blaze to this place because I'm done. These guys don't want to do business. They don't respect me. They don't want to take advice, which remains to be seen. I think when Adam Page made that comment, about not taking advice. It was more about not wanting just anyone to provide him direction about his career. Which I get it. I mean, he's made it. He didn't make it on the 
backs of other people, so to speak. At least not directly. He made it on, on his own merits. Sure, he had help from the elite, and he had help from friends, but that kind of goes without saying. I think what his thought process was, was that he wasn't just going to have some somebody that's been in the business 20 years just come up to him and tell him to change his entire appearance in most of those veterans' defense. They're probably not looking for him to do that. They were probably giving him advice in regards to little tweaks here and there. But again, it all comes back to how things get lost in translation. Now, Brian would tell you that <clears throat> it should have been a situation where the Bucks and, and Omega were removed from their executive position. I would agree completely. You can't have a conflict of interest like that in business and expect people to not raise an eyebrow when something like this happens. When shit breaks loose, you've got to know that the people that are in charge, the people that are responsible in your company, are trustworthy and not going to make immature comments or immature leaks to Dave Meltzer. And unfortunately, that's what happened. So yeah, I, I it's weird because I'm still a CM Punk fan. I still you know love CM Punk as far as a wrestler's concerned, but how do you disagree with what happened here? A lot of people feel like CM Punk was bitter and angry. Maybe he was, but maybe it was for good reason. You can't just offer advice to people and then have them ignore you, especially if you've really proven your worth. I mean, he's not talking from a perspective of, hey, I've never won a title. I've never been trusted by a company. I'm just here to make money. He was there to make money, but at the same time, he also had millions of dollars on his back as the main guy of the show. He's one of the, the one of the people responsible for AEW's first million dollar box office. Now it doesn't mean it's just him, but when you got a guy like him on top, you kinda have to look at that. You gotta respect it. And it it makes sense that there'd be a feeling of disrespect when a guy like Hangman Page comes out on national television and makes the statements he did. Now, it remains to be seen if Hangman Page's intent was to break script or was it to throw CM Punk off, but this is what happened. So you have to be able to make responsible choices. That's the point. You have to be able to decide, this is where we're going with this, this is the person that's going to have the show on his back, and this is where we're headed after that. It didn't work out that way. CM Punk had to have surgery. He is recovering from said surgery. We do not know if he will be back. It looks like he likely will not. But that's all speculation. Hell, even uh, Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful.com says that. It's simply a, manage, uh, a matter of, is this really... Is this really where we're going? Is this really what we're doing? And is this the right direction? Is this the right path? With Punk being gone, though, you can't help but notice the distinct difference in appearance of AEW. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. But to look at it from proper perspective, let's just recognize it for what it is. And that's, well, <clears throat> the perspective of, hey, they're going back to what brought them to the dance. And I, for one, love that. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean they're going away slowly from the, hey, we just signed this guy from WWE, and they're focusing back on a guy 
we all know as MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Makes sense, right? Well, a lot of people would agree with us, but at the same time, it's really dependent on how MJF performs within the next six months. He had a great title defense against Ricky Starks. His mic work is un, is unquestionably one of the best in the industry, but he's got a lot of a lot of room to grow before he can become a, as he says, generational talent. Now, the kind of talent that he is does only come around once in a lifetime. So in that regard, okay, I agree with you. But at some point, somebody has to just help to settle him down just a bit, and, and I'm sure he knows. Okay, well, you're very good, and we respect and appreciate that, but as good as you are, you're only as good as the next dance partner you have. And I, for one, completely agree with that. That is precisely why we need to look at those things. With MJF's return, when he came back, it overshadowed a lot of things, namely the victory for the AEW title that CM Punk had. <clears throat> now, we had no idea at the time that we were going to see the, the crazy chaos of the, the media scrum, but what did ultimately end up happening was that we saw, we, we saw that MJF's popularity and appeal was much bigger than I think anybody really bargained for. And because of that, we're now looking at a, a time where he's the head guy. He is the man. And you got a lot of good quality opponents that are there for him. You got, you got Mox. You've got Hangman Page. Adam Cole, hopefully, when he comes back. You've got Ricky Starks. You know that his star is still on the rise. Powerhouse Hobbs eventually is going to get that title shot. Hell, you've got Samoa Joe if you really need to mix it up. you got Brian Danielson, which is, of course, what a lot of people are focusing on right now. And then there's anybody they decide to bring in. Never mind the fact that they've got Miro waiting in the wings. Anytime you want to bring Miro back to TV, by the way, please do us all a favor. Let's, let's get him back as soon as possible. I think that's a good idea. But again, there, that's one of those situations where when you look at what happened in AEW in 2022, you had big moments that almost get overshadowed by even bigger moments. Very cool because you get to choose which one you want. But at the end of the day, it is um, it's one of those situations that you can't you can't necessarily discount what you're seeing anymore. And you have to start to recognize that here we are. We're in a situation that, you know, maybe it's time to slow it down just a little bit. This is year, let's see, 19, 20, 21, 22. We're coming up on the fourth year. So 19 was when AEW started. Officially, you could say May of 19. 20, of course, is the pandemic year. That's year two. 21, year three. That's where we get Danielson, Adam Cole, Hell, Samoa Joe, Red Dragon. The hits just keep on coming, right? Not to mention CM Punk. 
we get to 22 and everything kind of shakes, right? This is that first sign of really, hmm, is Tony Khan really running the business or is the business running Tony Khan? You know, I don't, I don't know how to really consider that outside of just saying, hey, I think we have a really, really good opportunity to see some positives and I'm excited to see it. But I also feel like maybe Tony Khan is, is getting worked. And that just sucks. You know, he's got a, a great fandom and appreciation for the business. But I feel like sometimes he's letting guys that, well, how do you word this? He's letting a lot of guys that would prefer to saddle, <laughs> saddle their horses to his bank account rather than his business acumen. Then he's got guys like Chris Jericho and he's got Mox who are true leaders in the ring and true leaders in the, in the backstage area in the locker room. So is this good or is it bad, right? Is this something that, you know, he can write the ship on? Well, the simple answer is absolutely he can. It's way, way early to start going, oh, well, AEW's done. No, it's way early for that. Reality, the, the truth of the matter is, while he's made mistakes, he's got complete control of how he fixes them and how he goes forward. Case in point, January 11th. That's whew, that's eight days away. So in eight days, a week from tomorrow, a week from Wednesday, we get a chance to see Soraya and a mystery partner take on Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Now, I think it's a poorly kept, greatly kept secret that it could be formerly known as Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, coming in to be that mystery partner. <clears throat> and I, I don't have a problem with that. Because as it stands right now, Mercedes is a free agent. <clears throat> Today she went on Twitter, thanked WWE, thanked Vince McMahon. Hell, she thanked everybody but Santa Claus for her exit from WWE and, and her upcoming debut in New Japan. I, for one, am excited to see it. What happens from here? Who knows? But all I can tell you is that looking at the 11th, that's a big opportunity, a big signing to help your women's division. I think a lot of us, myself, Rob, Brian, a lot of fans like you, have looked at it and said, hey, you know, we want to see the women's division more prominently featured. Well, some of the problem you run into is to prominently feature that, you have to have a person or persons available for that division to really draw draw attention, draw the fans in. And that is that is one of those situations where it is important to have the right people. Well, putting in Soraya, formerly known as Paige, putting in Mercedes, formerly known as Sasha Banks, those are two very recognizable, marketable names. Add to that Britt Baker, who is a homegrown main event star already. Jamie Hayter, whose star was on the rise last year. Ruby Riot, excuse me, Ruby Soho, who, while a lot of people get upset at the WWE, some people call them cast-offs, I just say they're signings, these are people that were fired, that WWE just didn't didn't want for whatever reason, and Vince says it was budget cuts, I think a lot of people just felt like the, the roster was bloated. So with these women coming in and helping the younger roster, helping Sky Blue, helping Ty Conti, helping AJ... AJ, Anna J, excuse me, 
um, and helping out helping out Sheeta, helping out Rio. These are younger talents as well that come in and they build this roster, they bolster it, and now you have more and more reason to say, hey, we need to put this match, maybe we need to start the show with this match. Maybe we need to main event with Britt Baker and Mercedes. Maybe we need to have Jamie Hayter defend the title against Soraya. Maybe it's Ruby and Soraya against Sky Blue and Anna Jay at the 8.30 moment instead of the 9 o'clock. Because that seems to be the segment they get stuck in. All of these things happen when you bring in people that are marketable that can draw viewers. I mean, we're no longer looking at the 3 million. Hell, we're not even looking at a 5 million viewership. We're not looking at 3. It's more like 2.5. This is the reality of it. Look at the average numbers of Rampage, of SmackDown, of Raw, and of Dynamite. That's your base audience, in my opinion. Add them together, and that's what you got. Now, some people are going to tell you, nah, it's, it's, it's 5 million. There's casual fans out there that have left. Well, sure, there, there's fans that are no longer watching. Those people have either died, they gave up, or they just decided that they didn't want to support a company that didn't want to cater to them. Most people claim that's WWE. But a lot of people that didn't like WWE when WCW went out of business, they didn't watch anything but TNA. And then when TNA brought in Hogan and Bischoff, that was when people hopped off and said, nope, we're done. Okay. That's how it happens sometimes. Hell, there's Ring of Honor faithful that stopped watching. The point is, that $5 million core audience that we had in, say, 2004, 2005, it's gone. Doesn't mean they'll never come back. Sure, the business is cyclical. It could happen again. We could see the Monday Night Wars reignited, so to speak. You know, that magic, not necessarily that moment. But if that was to happen, sure, that we could see that. But for right now, where we stand is probably 2.5, 3 at the max. Knowing that the way we do, is AW really doing bad? No. They're averaging a million. A little under half the core audience, half that viewership. Is WWE doing bad? Well, let's look at the numbers. Numbers put them in an average somewhere between 1.5 to 2. So no, they're not doing bad either. Doesn't mean their product is great. So when I say, are they doing bad? I'm looking at it from a perspective of, are they making money? Are people watching? Yeah, they're making money. And yeah, people are watching. It doesn't mean that their in-ring product is good. It doesn't necessarily mean that their creative storyline or storytelling is good. It just means that they're getting something accomplished. And they're making money for their investors, for their sponsors. And they're able to pay their talent. When's the last time you heard from a talent in WWE or AEW that they weren't getting paid? I'll wait. I'll, I'll give you a second. Oh, wait. No, you haven't because it never happened. You did hear about TNA not paying people, though, didn't you? This was years ago. They have resolved those issues. But when we look at how about, oh, I don't know, Ring of Honor. Did you ever hear about people not getting paid there? Yep. Did you ever hear about people not getting paid in WCW? Mm, that's a tough one, right? Because, of course, they're out of business. But you did hear about it right at the very end. 
not during their heyday. The point is, the companies that typically have money problems, that can't stay on television, and have trouble distributing content, those are the companies that usually fail. That's not the situation with AEW right now. They're moving merchandise. They're selling wrestling figures. They're selling merchandise as far as t-shirts and cards. They're selling replica titles. You're seeing them out in the public eye. Hot Topic sells them. You see them at the mall. And you see people hunting for them. There's numerous YouTube videos, TikToks, you name it. Instagram feeds, uh, reels. All about people looking for figures or collectibles or t-shirts or whatever. So the public eye is on it. So the question goes to WWE. Are they doing it? Well, 2K22 was a smash. Was it the perfect game? No. So much better than 2020. And, might I add, is probably going to have a hell of a challenge coming up soon. Because when Fight Forever drops and reminds us all of just how much fun No Mercy was, uh, it's going to be time for 2K to step it up. So, hey folks, we got a moment where that could kind of reignite some magic. Can't wait. They're selling t-shirts. We know this because we see them all the time. Myself included, I bought a Cody shirt. I'm a Cody fan. Don't be surprised, right? I bought a CM Punk shirt, too. So, again, it's not a bias. It's just who I like. Calm down. <laughs> They're selling TV time. They're selling ad space. So, all of these things that they have to accomplish from a financial perspective is getting done. The difference between the two, hmm, okay, well there's the obvious. The obvious is WWE is a publicly traded company. And because they're a publicly traded company, the eye is more specifically on them and watching everything they do. Alright, I'll get you there. I, I, I guess I can't really argue that point. But, because that eye is on them, because so many people are watching... You also have to recognize one simple fact, and that's that they're going to make sure that they're crossing their eyes, excuse me, crossing their T's and dotting their eyes. Sorry, HBK, I wasn't talking about you like that. They're going to make sure they're doing things the right way. Not all the time, mistakes will get made, but by and large, Triple H doesn't seem like the kind of guy that, as Taz would say, runs a sloppy shot. Going back over to AEW. How do they move, right? How do they get forward? So this is where we look at the resolution. I think for Tony Khan, his resolution for New Year's for 2023 should be to go slow. Tell your stories in the timeline you want. Develop your talent. Develop your roster at the pace you want. And go forward and grow at the pace you want. Do not let the professional wrestling populace, the fandom dictate to you how you should go let them tell you who they like or dislike make changes accordingly with that but don't just give up on what you think because dave Meltzer said or sean ross said hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Make changes that make sense for your company. Make money that makes sense for your company. The CM Punk thing didn't work out. All right, that sucks. But you have numerous talents that you can replace him with. That's just the state of the industry today. And he knows that. That's why when he when he finished with what he said, he probably knew damn well that, hey, if this is where I'm done, if this is where I step off, at least I got to say my piece. Yep. There again, don't know if he'll ever come back. There's, of course, rumors that, hey, Punk might be, he might actually be at the Rumble. There's also rumors that Kenny Omega will be there, so don't uh, don't go crazy with that. Trust me, don't, don't go crazy with that. If I could provide a resolution to a guy like CM Punk, though, here's a fan giving CM Punk advice. I'm sure he'll listen very carefully. <laughs> but if I could offer a recommendation, it would be to do what I hope he's already getting ready to do. Continue to do your career on your terms. But don't forget that just because just because of what you've seen from one company or from two doesn't mean that all wrestling is bad. I mean, hey, Vince McMahon screwed him up. We get it. We know why. We saw the result. We heard the result on the podcast with Colt Cabana. And hey, Cabana may not. Cabana may not be his friend anymore. That's okay too. Nobody, nobody says people have to be friends. But at the end of the day, what happened with him and Adam Page? It damn sure could have been resolved. It could have been resolved in a way that made better sense. And it could have been resolved in a way that actually made money. They could have avoided a lot of this by just simply sitting down and saying, Hey, I'm pissed at you. Oh, really? Why are you pissed at me? And they go through it. But instead, we got a post-show post, uh, post show media scrum where he goes off on everybody and their sister because he's mad. And he knows that he's got only one outlet to go off of. And he burned Tony Khan in effigy there, even though he, from, I'm sure, his account and everyone else's, that he wasn't really trying to. So again, getting back to what I would recommend as far as a resolution for him, and run your career the way you want to do it. Go out on your own terms, but don't forget that there's people out there that still want to see you perform. Don't roll out making money. Which leads me to the next resolution I'd give. I'd go right over to Adam Page and I'd say, hey, don't forget that while this is a, a business or a sport that you love, it is still a business. So it's better to make money than to make friends. I don't always agree with Booker T. 
But in this case, why wouldn't you want to make money with a guy like CM Punk? Say what you want about what he did to Colt Cabana. I mean, a lot of people have alleged that he had something to do with Cabana not being on TV. Although, Tony Khan and multiple other people have said, no, that's not what happened. So, knowing that the way we do, if I could make a recommendation, take the advice from maybe people that haven't walked in your shoes, but maybe some people that are looking at it from a different perspective. Go back, have a conversation, and see if you can sort it out. Now, granted, at the end of his contract term, if he's still under contract, because we don't know, it could turn out that this thing with Punk just isn't going to hash out. But what if it does? What if you can make money? Is Dax really wrong to say that in this podcast, by the way? Was Dax wrong to say, hey, I hope that the elite and that CM Punk can sit down in a room and realize that we can work this out and make money and create some of the best moments in wrestling? I don't think he's wrong. I think he's, he's speaking from the heart. I mean, this is a guy that loves a business that is performing at a level that phew, he's performing out of his mind. Dax Harwood could be very well, could very well be considered the wrestler of the year for 2022. If somebody voted him there, I'd be like, yep, that makes perfect sense. You damn sure got to call FTR the tag team of the year. I mean, the performances they put on were top notch every single time. I feel like uh, a, a lot of the criticism that Dax is getting right now is unfair. Because here he is, he's friends with CM Punk, he sees it from his perspective. But at the same time, he's also not stupid enough to say that we can't make money. It seems like people just forget that. It's like, hey, you know, we could make money with Cody and Roman having a feud. We could make money with Cody as the AEW champ and Jericho having a feud. They just go, eh, you know, let's move on. Let's have Jericho and Mox. And then we'll have Mox and Omega. Like... They did make money, not making fun, but couldn't you have made more? Uh, yeah. That The biggest thing I think when I look at AEW is that they've gone so fast. And they're doing a lot in a very short amount of time, and this is a business that does move fast, but it doesn't have to move this fast. Signing the people you've signed, well... I had a conversation with a, with a good friend, with Eddie Lane from Beyond Ringside yesterday, about certain people that I may or may not have brought on board. I've talked about it a little bit here on the air with Brian and Rob. They don't always agree with me, but there's some guys that I probably wouldn't have signed. Case in point, I don't think I would have brought in Jake Hager. Now, Eddie brought up, he said that he felt like he was doing something with MMA, and that may well have been true, but... Hager hasn't done literally anything with that company outside of just having some semi-spotlighted matches in the mid-card. You know what else I probably wouldn't have done? I probably would have avoided being in such a hurry to bring in former WWE people like 2.0. Now, I get it. 2.0 is a star. So I probably would have missed on them. That's on me, right? Because from my perspective, I just wouldn't have did it. But at the time that he brought them in, they were released from NXT. And TK had better vision than we did because he saw the stars in them. And they did indeed succeed. But 
I don't know that I would have brought them in. I wouldn't have been in such a damn hurry to have another second show on YouTube because you've got a roster that you only got so many people. And if you continue to add to your pay-per-appearance people, that, that tier, well, how many job guys do you need? How many padded records do you need before finally you start focusing on, okay, here's where we go? So again, it's not don't do it. It's slow down, do it slower. I still would have brought in Adam Cole. I still would have brought, brought in Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. I think that was smart. I still would have brought in Miro. Tell you what I would have did though, is I would have let Miro just continue to run with that TNT title. Sammy's a star. We know Sammy's a star. He was going to win that title, but he could have won it the following year. Hell, he could have won it six months after he did it. I think a lot of people would look at what AEW has done up to now as they had no choice because of the pandemic. I'm one of the people that would probably make that argument. But you can only blame the pandemic for but so long. Sooner or later, you've got to make a move. And you got to do something to keep things happening, to keep things interesting. I'd have still brought in Sting. I'd have still brought in Matt Hardy. I don't know if I would have brought in Jeff. I'm not going to lie. I think that, unfortunately, Jeff Hardy was a mistake. Looking back on reflection, right? I, I think signing Soraya was a good move signing Mercedes if they get that done. There's no confirmation on that, by the way. Simply that she's performing in New Japan tonight. That's all we know. If, in fact, she does debut and have a contract, I'd support that, and I still would have gone after it. But I tell you who I wouldn't have, who I wouldn't have let go is I would have never let Cody go. I would have never let him feel like he was a gatekeeper. And I also wouldn't have put them in executive positions. Cody himself said he wasn't ready for it. The Bucks, I like them, but let's be honest, how mature are they really? And that's not a not mature in a ring standpoint and not a mature in a professional telling a story standpoint. What I'm saying is mature-wise as far as being able to multitask and have an executive level position in a major company and perform at a high level in very, very much main event style matches. I just don't think it was made made a whole lot of sense. I think it was a conflict of interest. Kenny Omega is the same way. Again, I'm not dogging the guy's style. I like Kenny Omega a lot, but I don't think it was the right move to make him an, an executive. You need wrestling minds guiding the ship. I agree. You do not need wrestlers in an executive level position, a position of power, booking your show. I mean, you had Dean Malenko. You had Jerry Lynn. You have a brain trust there, and maybe if you absolutely had to put somebody in an executive position, it should have been Jericho. Maybe. But that's somebody that's a lot older in the business, a lot smarter and a lot wiser, and frankly, has the ability to multitask, has the maturity level to multitask. It's why he put the Ring of Honor title on Jericho. He knew good and well that he was going to ultimately take that title off of him, and put it on a guy like Claudio or maybe even John Gresham if he decided to come back. At the end of the day, it just tells the story of we are looking at a lot of things that could have been done just simply slower. Not better, but just slower. 
So getting back to the resolutions, like I said, Adam Page, hey, takes take advice from a fan. Don't 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 rule everyone out just because you've gotten bad advice before. And I think as far as you know, looking at some of the others that are on that roster, you've got so many people there. It's difficult to really filter it out and, and look at different people that could be key pieces. I think for a guy like Wardlow, I'd say be patient because your time is not is not up. You've still got a lot more to do. For a guy like MJF, it's to stay hot and to stay on it and to stay at the top of your game because you're only now just beginning to start making real money. And he may be dead on. If he hasn't signed a new contract with AEW, which a lot of people feel he has, and I'm kind of leaning towards that, but if he truly hasn't, yeah, he's right. It will be a bidding war, and he will make a lot of money. He's just got to stay at the top. Maybe not necessarily the champion, but stay at the top of the game. Looking at guys like uh, Scorpio Sky, I'd say stay patient. Your turn will come because these guys are going to filter out. Ethan Page, same advice, because Ethan Page is just phenomenal. It's going to happen for these guys. People are going to filter in, filter out, and you're going to see that that uh, that pecking order change over time. It happens in every company. So I just would, would probably advise them to stay patient. I give the same advice to Private Party, too, because, again, there's another tag team, another another duo that has a lot of potential, much like the Acclaimed. Um, and they're just it just hasn't been their turn yet, but I think it'll get there. I think I would probably abandon the Dark Order concept for now. I would go ahead and let the Dark Order stay a trio and not worry about pushing it any further. I just don't see any merit to it right now. And the trio's title, I, I, I'll say this, if I was giving another resolution to Tony Khan, it'd be, hey, let's not create any more titles for a while. In fact, in fact, until we've got a solid hold as to what we're doing, for example, with our women's division, let's maybe take away the TBS title eventually. Have Cargill win them both. It'll be a big moment. I think that's the direction he's, he's planning. And then once she wins them both, let's eliminate the TBS title until we figure out just what the identity of this division is going to be. Moving over to WWE and resolutions and reflections. Man, what a what a crazy year they had. Just getting ridden through the dirt from January all the way through Mania. I mean, outside of Cody coming back, which was huge, but wow, just a mess. And a lot of it comes from lack of creativity and lack of communication. You got Vince McMahon, a guy who is infamous for his success and his planning and his knowledge but you've also got a guy that is guilty of being his own biggest fan and therefore only trusting his own thought process guys like bruce pritchard who were creative and are creative in a lot of ways simply going yeah vince that's a great idea that's not how things need to go anymore and i'm sure bruce pritchard has said many times that's not what he does but let's face it when the news came out that Vince was retiring for the investigation that basically due to the investigation of his alleged misrepresentation or mis, misuse of company funds, 
and, of course, sexual harassment. Again, this is all alleged. Nothing's been proven in a court of law just yet. Once that broke loose, and once Triple H took over, what did we start to see? Well, first thing we saw was we saw a clearer line of communication. And how do we know that? Because stories started making better sense. They're not perfect. There's still a lot of room to work, but the stories started to make better sense. We started to see growth where it mattered in ratings. We started to see development actually matter with new talent and with with made talent. Look at what happened with Austin Theory. I'm still not sold on the guy, but at least his matches have improved. And at least there is a clear direction and a reason for that clear direction. We didn't have that this time last year. <laughs> this time last year, this time last year, we saw Austin Theory as a guy that was a lackey for Vince. And just another, just another, you know, brick in the wall, so to speak. So, yeah. Look at how they made changes with different returns. There were a lot of firings for WWE over the course of the past two years. But right now, right now, what are we seeing? Well, right now we're seeing a resurgence. We're seeing people getting ready to come back. Now, again, I said it earlier, there's tons of mistakes made. I'm not a big Mandy Rose fan specifically, but firing her because she had a OnlyFans page or whatever, I don't know that I would have did that. Although, more power to her. She made a million bucks in a month. Can't really sneeze at that. That's good money. And you have a short time to make that kind of money because everybody's body changes and people get older. So make it while you can. And if you can do that without hurting yourself and hurting your body, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. A lot of people are going to say that she shouldn't do it the way she does it. I understand that. I don't know if I agree or disagree there. I think everybody has a right to choose how they do it, but... I also feel that I understand both sides of the argument at least a little bit. Other mistakes that were made, I mean, you brought back a guy like uh, Braun Strowman. Why? Who is this guy? He's controlling his narrative now. Oh, and oh, by the way, the monster among men has put over and lost to more people this year than he had in his entire career leading up to his return. So now when he's getting ready to challenge Gunther for the Intercontinental title, we're supposed to, what, believe that he's a monster again? No, you've already made him lose. You've already had him lose more times than we can count. So why would we want to buy into that? That's a misstep. That's a lack of thought. You brought him back. Maybe you were excited to bring him back. And then you see that he's not really performing. And that happens. A lot of people could say the same for carrying Cross. While I'm not really sure if I'd agree with that synopsis or that that evaluation, I would say that your expectation for him was flawed in the fact that you brought him back, but you gave him only a little bit to work with. You gave him Drew McIntyre, which is great. And then as soon as that was over, you had nothing to follow up with. And that's on you because you have a big, big roster and a lot of different ways you could have gone with that. You could have even aligned him with Bray Wyatt. But you didn't. Instead, you've basically got him working in weird matches where people are chanting, this is boring. You, had him, you have him working with Rey Mysterio now. Not sure I understand that. you got to get direction. You have to have a line of sight for these guys. 
John Cena came back one time last last summer, and we saw him on TV twice, promo-wise, and we saw him, of course, at SummerSlam. After that, we don't see him all of 22 until the 30th of December, so literally at the midnight hour, where he has a really entertaining tag match with Kevin Owens against the Bloodline, against Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. To me, making those kind of moves and having somebody come back for a big spotlight moment is good. That's a good move in the right direction. But if you're going to bring these guys back, let's make sure there's some stakes to it. Let's make sure there's some, some power behind it. We know what happened in the past. We're not looking to be insulted, but let's put a little oomph behind it. Tag team-wise, I feel like the Usos and the Bloodline as tag team champions have been fair at best. I'm not sold on them being the, what are people calling them, the best tag team ever. No. Not when you can look at a, a team like FTR, who has literally worked in multiple companies throughout the one year and had more match of the year candidates than the Usos ever have. One year versus an entire career. Think about that. Doesn't mean it's impossible for them going forward, but right now, nah, no, I'm not convinced. Another thing to consider, another thing to look at, is the just the up and down, the roller coaster of performance from these guys are doing good to these guys aren't so much. I wonder sometimes if when these guys sit down and in a creative session, if they don't realize what's happened two months ago. If they've just forgotten or put it out of their minds because we're, as, as Triple H and Vince and many others have said in the past, we're turning the page. Even if you're turning the page, it doesn't mean that the page before it didn't happen, that it wasn't written. You don't always have to go back and say, well, he did leave for AEW, but before he did, this guy was great or something like that. You don't have to do that. But what you can do is acknowledge that they have a past to other, in previous companies that these companies that they performed in or their reputation for where they performed in gave them notoriety. You start building off of that. You can show clips if you get permission. How they did it for Evolve before they started to own that footage. All of these different things. You get my point? NXT has to see a total revamp. 22 was awful for NXT. I don't understand what got into their minds that needed to happen. Because you had so many top-level talents in NXT that you could call them up in a moment. And you should have been able to plug and play. But what happened was, because Triple H was running NXT and Vince was running the regular roster, there was a big, big disconnect as to how these folks would apply their craft on the main stage. Now you've literally got a like-minded soul in Triple H and HBK, with the two of them running the main roster in NXT. And, and you can't tell me that you can't go back to that formula. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's not to say that Braun Breaker isn't a standout, but now Mandy Rose is gone, and you put the title on Rox Roxanne Perez, formerly known as Roxy, which is great, but it all comes back to what are you going to do now? What are you going to do next? Go back to a formula that worked. Why, why you change it, I'll never know. Let's get rid of the rainbow colors. I don't mind necessarily the brightly lit 
arena because it's nice to be able to see everything. But let's get rid of the rainbow colors and get rid of the the cliche gimmicks and go back to what, what professional wrestling really mattered with NXT. And that was letting them shine with their personality, letting their in-ring work tell the story, and letting the fans decide what direction it could take. Seems like a pretty similar process or philosophy that I had for AEW. So resolution-wise, if I could give a resolution to Triple H, again, like he's, I'm sure he's listening. But if I could offer any advice or any feedback, it would be simply this. A resolution could be in the form of, it's great to bring back what you liked, but be more selective. Didn't need a guy like Braun Strowman to come back. We may not have needed Karrion Cross to come back. That sucks because I'm a Karrion Cross fan, but let's be real. Right now, with what we have with Karrion Cross, was his return worth it? Let's go back over to Raw and take a look at that. Dexter Loomis, should he have been fired? I don't think so. But should he be on Raw right now? I would have probably put him back on NXT and, and kept him there for a little bit. Not forever, but for a little bit. Why? Uh, I don't know. person named Andy Hartwell? Index was a very popular, popular attraction in NXT. Even in the new-ish NXT. So yeah, my resolution would be be selective. And when you do bring these people back, remember that your formula works. So don't necessarily feel the urge to go back on it because someone else has questioned you. I don't question it. When I look at the black and gold brand of years past, I think, damn, that was the best wrestling going on at that time. What do you think motivated AEW? Now, some people are going to say that it was a desire to be different from WWE, and I get that, and I agree with that on a lot of points, but AEW's motivation came from fans wanting to see more wrestling. And because NXT wasn't always being able to deliver it, we were seeing it again in different ways, and that's where AEW drew their fan base, the indie mentality. It's amazing to me when we look at in order to go forward, to me, I think you always have to look back a little bit. It's amazing to me to see things that they just haven't learned from. The presentation of the women for NXT, for example. I'm a diehard Shawn Michaels fan. I think I always will be. And I think that I'm always going to have an appreciation for not just his work, but how he changed his life as a man. But I got to say, I have major issue with how he presents the women on his program. Part of the reason that I hated women's wrestling for a majority of my fandom was because it was presented as bra and panties matches and, you know, TNA. And, and that's all well and good, but that's not what I watch wrestling for. And that's not what a lot of people watch it for. So if I could offer a resolution to, to Shawn Michaels, it would be, um, let's remember that we left the 90s. And that today, people do not consume content in the same fashion that they did back then so seeing the cliche group of mean girls go up against the cliche group of girls that are maybe nerds cast-offs it doesn't always work plus telling a person like ember moon by the way to look more sexy to look more like mandy rose 
It's a horrible move. Now, granted, that part isn't necessarily a Shawn Michaels move. That was a Laurinaitis move, but my point remains the same. Let's remember, guys, we don't have to carry over what other people did. We can we can move away from that, and we can go into a direction that actually makes better sense. So do it. I do have a resolution out there for wrestling journalists and podcasters, myself included. It's called restraint. If I could offer one to a lot of the journalists and podcasters out there, I would be saying, let's remember to, to exercise restraint. Case in point, the situation with CM Punk and MJF. Two different situations. MJF doesn't show up for autograph signings. So what happens in the media? This was not, by the way, a specific person that did or didn't do this. So I'm not going to be naming names, quote-unquote. But so many people called him unprofessional and a piece of trash and a piece of shit and that he should get fired. And But the reality was he was going through something, having a money talk and having maybe some personal issues going on and needed time to get it worked out. And then, of course, as soon as that comes to light, all of a sudden the media change gears and go, oh, God, he's great. He's the darling. It's no wonder he works, he works a shoot kind of thing. It's no wonder his promos are so between the eyes. He's got plenty to feed off of. But if I could offer a resolution to those that are in the podcast world, that's myself included, it's going to be to remember to exercise restraint. The hot take that's out there, you don't necessarily always have to have that. Sometimes it's best just to wait. Let the dust settle. Let let the chips fall where they may, quote-unquote. And then make the call. Brian does it really well. Brian actually does a great job of that. He is very even-handed when it comes to his his criticisms of products. And he's also very upfront and honest about it. Rob or I kind of tend to sometimes have the knee-jerk reaction, but I think that's comes from years of of just seeing the same old thing and going, okay, yeah, we know how this is going to go. Most times we're right because it gets predictable. But, again, there's that need for restraint. You can avoid a lot of headache and heartache if you're able to do that. If I could offer a resolution for my WWE fans out there, relax. <laughs> Be open because your company isn't doomed to fail. There's room for improvement, and I think sometimes we have to be able to look in the mirror and recognize what what needs work and what needs rebuilding and what needs focus. But we also have plenty of things that are good and plenty of things that we can look at are positive. And don't be so quick to, to jump into a fight with those that don't necessarily like the same things you like. The same could be said for, for the AEW fans out there. Remember that there's there's always going to be other companies. Even if you didn't like WWE the entire time you've been a fan, there's always other companies. There's always other talents. There's always something different to focus on. So looking at these things and realizing that it's going to be what helps you to really broaden it out. It's like what Brian says when he's talking about you know, watch indie wrestling because that's where your your TV talents come from. That's where they are going to become a focus for your TV program. So understand that and open your eyes to it.
and it goes to both sides. It goes to really all sides of that spectrum. <clears throat> Overall, I think 2022 showed us a lot of different things for pro wrestling. It showed us there's a hell of a lot of room to work. There's still a ton of talent out there that is uh, available to be signed and to be maneuvered around and promoted. <laughs> but there's also no limit on places for people to work. And I think that's where really a lot of people have to focus. I don't think that it's uh, necessarily a time to be panicked. I don't think Tony Khan's going to close the doors next week. And I don't think that Disney is going to buy WWE. But I'm also not blind to saying that wrestling in and of itself could stand to or couldn't stand to be improved some just remember that i think this week we are going to end up having a, a shorter episode here because uh, one it's me and i can only talk to myself for what's so long but at the same time um there's a lot of different things going on we got wrestle kingdom coming up um mercedes monet formerly known as sasha banks is scheduled to make her appearance I guess you could say tomorrow morning, tonight, tomorrow morning. You got Okada and uh, Jay White. That match should be electric. Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega. I can't wait to watch that one. Um, Carl Anderson from WWE is going to be defending the Never Open Weight title. And that is a big deal. It's huge. So we've got a lot of different things to look at right now. We have a lot of different positives to focus to. And uh, I, I just, I'm excited for what the future holds. Oh, by the way, Cody is uh, looking to return. It looks like he will be back most likely at the Rumble. Seth Rollins did come up with a knee injury. We do not know the extent of that yet. We do know that AJ Styles uh, did suffer a broken ankle. And while he may not have to have surgery, he is out for what is being reported for about two to three months, depending on how his healing goes. Uh, we also know that Bianca Belair on Monday night got three stitches from her match with Alexa Bliss. Um, let's see here. I'm just looking at some other info. Uh, I think that is really it. Um, interested to see what your feedback is as far as resolutions or what you want to see from pro wrestling this year. What would you recommend? Who would you give a resolution to? And why? What would you tell him to do? Do you think Tony Khan needs to slow down? Do you think he needs to speed up and hire more people? Is Triple H doing the right thing right now? Do you think that he and Shawn Michaels could get together better on WWE and NXT? Or do you think that they're doing fine where they're at? Hit us up. Make sure you reach out to us on Twitter at C2C Radio Show. That's at C2C Radio Show on Twitter. You can catch up with me at Stan Grubb on Twitter and pretty much every other platform too. Rob can be found at Rob Hefner C2C. That's R-O-B-H-E-F-N-E-R-C-2-C. And then Brian's at Vlad Dragul C2C as well. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for listening this week, and we will see you next time right here on C2CRadioShow.com. Have a great night, and a happy new year. Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.